Is it on the shared drive? Is it on the Google Drive? Is it on the Dropbox? It is on the E drive, the C drive. Makes me nuts. You have no idea. I'm telling you, Jason, before we converted to ProShop ERP, it was literally, we had things everywhere. It was in Word. It was in Google. It was on that drive. It was on the other drive. It was right now, since we converted to ProShop ERP, everything is in ProShop. It's our one source for all information. That takes the pain away. It certainly does. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Bam. Welcome to Making Ships. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend of 5.75 years, Jason Zanger. Hey, Jim. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Good. I don't want a recession, buddy. I know. To let everybody know what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about recession because my gosh, it's been it's been a while since we've felt one. I know, and I've gotten used to not having to deal with those doldrums. I know. You know, I mean, every business cycle comes with its pros and cons. The cons of not being in a recession to being an expansion is it's hard to find people, but I'll take those over the lack of sales and financial troubles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll get into that in just a minute. But yeah, I agree. I think that recession is a dirty word in our industry. And I think it's something we need to put back in our vocabulary because quite frankly, I think there's a lot of people in our industry and people in the working world right now that really haven't felt one. And yeah, I mean, a lot of they the have younger no, people out there, they don't even son, understand what a recession my is. My son has no, I mean, he may have heard me talk about it in 2008, but he has never felt one. You know, My sales manager, John, you know, felt, You know it could be really scary, Jim? What's that? During one of our previous episodes, the episode with John from Pastor to Manufacturing Leader, yes. we talked about the $1.5 trillion student loan debt. What about it? What about recession plus a bunch of younger people who have student loan debt getting let off because that's what happens during well, a recession? I, I don't know what happens if you default like, on a student loan. Well, you can't. First of all, you can't default on a student loan, but what if they can't pay it because they don't have a job? So just some so scary things to think what about. What if? I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in finance. I'm a manufacturing guy. Mm-hmm. But what if you owe the federal government 50 grand and you don't have a job and you can't pay that back? They're not forgiving at all. They don't understand. You, even if you file bankruptcy, I believe that you cannot have your student loan debt forgiven. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it just no goes kidding. to show, I mean, like Yikes. college tuition's gone up like faster than any other expense that there is out there. Gasoline, real estate, everything. Real estate taxes. College tuition has gone up faster than all of those. Yeah. And I don't know if you call it a conspiracy theory, but I think there's a bit of political collusion with, you know, these universities and the banks and the politicians and all that kind of stuff. It's, It's ridiculous. There's no reason why college tuition should go up as fast as it has. Hmm. Interesting. Well, stay in the industry, and and hopefully we our next recession won't or be look as bad. For a great job in manufacturing where you don't need a university degree. You bet, absolutely. And we're going to talk about some tips and tricks that I've learned over the decades in this industry to help 
make some of that pain go away. I've got a few too. Good. We probably got some in common. Yeah, we probably got some in common, but I look forward to talking about that in in the next few minutes. So before we go there, Jim, what's going on at Car Machine Tool? Well, as you know, and it's not been a secret that we've had a really good year at Car Machine in 2019, and we're kind of coming to the end. You know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the year. Things are slowing down, and we had a huge job that we did this year. We're about... 70% done with that job. So things have started to, ironically, talking about recession, things have started to soften a little bit. However, we still are getting a lot of new prospects and we certainly are quoting for a lot of new people. It's good. We're, We're trying to make sure that we look at industries that are somewhat recession-proof. but Such as what? What industries are recession-proof? Well, electric. Today, you told me that you put money down on a Tesla, right? I did. I got. I have a Tesla Model 3 that's I'm going to start driving, which it's a it's the Tesla model that starts off at like 35 grand, I yeah. think. And that's pretty I, modest. I, I, ca- I calculated all the costs associated with it, and it's going to cut my automotive expense in half. Right. Well, you commute quite a bit. Yeah. Right, I'm driving. You know, you're driving, driving a the, lot. Yeah, I'm driving all over the place. So right. yeah, it's going to cut my commute expense on a monthly basis in half. So I'm pretty excited about that. And and then I also ordered one of the cyber trucks, and I might start using that as a Zenger's VMI vehicle. Yeah. So I think that that technology is going to be well received, and I think there's going to be a big need for all things electric in the future. So you're talking specifically EV. So EV cars. EV stands for electric buses. Yes, I believe. So the only I think that's one aspect. Yeah, the one the one big difference between the gas vehicles. Did you hear Ford just came out with the new Mustang? Right, I know, I did see that. Yeah, but the big difference between them, at least the way that Tesla's making them, is that there's a lot less parts in an EV than there is in a gas vehicle. Right, right. I'm sure there are. I'm just not ready to pull the trigger yet, but hopefully, you know, some. I don't think you'll ever own one. Yeah, I think you're, you know, I think you like your, not, your gas Maybe car. not. Maybe yeah. not. It's okay. Yeah, it is okay. I mean? I'm not going to cry. That's right. for sure. So that's what's new at Car. And I'm happy that I'm going to be able to spend some time with my family over the holidays and just kind of chill out because it's been, it has been a very tough year professionally and personally. I think it's good to take some time to smell the roses. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, I got a funny question for you. You you know, and I'm sure a lot of the metalworking nation knows that I have an affinity for great wines. I've grown this affinity over the last few decades, and I enjoy a great glass of Cabernet, even a glass of Chardonnay on occasion. But, you know, we are owning the Boring Bar. So I was wondering, do you think that we're going to be able to get some great wines at the Boring Bar? I actually had. Can a, I help? Can yeah, I help? Yeah, you could help pick some out. But I actually yeah. had a, had a different idea. I actually think that we should private label our own making chips. Oh, that's wine. a great idea. So just slap a making chips label on there. Well, there's there's wineries out there where you can. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's a great idea. You, you can give wines that are labeled with your company name on it as a gift, and I think we should do that for making chips. We just I need to make sure a, we find something that tastes good, too. And, you know. At a value. Yes. Because we don't want to go crazy, but I would be more than happy to help facilitate that tasting. So okay. uh, 
But no, really, the the Boring Bar is our weekly newsletter that Jason and I talk about quite often. If you're not subscribed to it, all you got to do is pick up your smart device and text the word CHIPS, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470. We don't spam you. We just send you a weekly email. Yeah, once a week, that's it. Why don't you tell everybody what's in that weekly email, Jason? Well, usually it's links to the podcast, of course, and then originally written articles if you like to read and also videos for making chips. I love it. I love it. It will equip and inspire you just a little bit more than just hearing us on the podcast. So they get to see what you look like, Jim, and your new fabulous haircut. I know it's a little short, but that's okay. Thank you for saying. At least I have hair at my age. That's true. I'm running out. It's so bad. Anyway. So what do we got for the manufacturing news, my friend? So I have an article from Business Insider. The title of the article is America's Largest Truck Engine Manufacturer Just Announced 2,000 Layoffs. So this is an article about Cummins. And I saw this too, man. What it, what it talks about is that they see orders for heavy-duty trucks went down 51% in October. Why? So... Um, five one, five one, yeah. So they're forty nine percent of what they were the previous year. That is huge. And you know, I'm trying to see a couple what? things are popping into my 51%. head. Fifty one percent, fifty one percent. So you know, there's a couple things out there. Yeah, that, what, you know, what's driving this? Well, let's figure this out. I don't know because it seems like people. I would think that because they get a lot of orders in October, it's probably because the owners of these companies are looking for write offs. So is this because something has changed in the tax code? I don't I don't know if it has. I'm not a tax accountant. Is this because companies don't have profit to write off? Is this because they want to do it next year because they're concerned about what the election is going to look like and maybe taxes are low right now because Trump's in office, but maybe if one of these scary Democrats gets voted into office, they're going to raise the taxes a lot. They're mostly scary. And so maybe they want to write it off then. I don't know. I mean, is, is it because you know, the trucking orders are down? I don't know. Yeah, there's also, it's a see also truckers warn of a bloodbath as trucking companies go bankrupt and slash profit expectation. What is driving this? Or is it because there's going to be autonomous driving trucks out there? I did hear about that. I saw it on the news last night. I mean, that's one thing Tesla's working on. Yeah. Well, Well, what did we just talk about? Electric vehicles. I mean, I think that that's going to be in our future for sure. There's no question about it. But so one of the 51%, that's huge. There's there's more to this than we are seeing in this article because that's sending a clear signal that something is blatantly off. Yeah, so it says here, John Mills, a Cummins representative, confirmed to Business Insider that the company, which employs some 62,610 people globally, would reduce its global workforce by about 2,000 by the first quarter of 2020. So, Jim, maybe you can do that calculation and figure out the percentage really quick. Two Not divided 10. by 62.6. No, I go 62 is 10, 60, 60 10%, five. It's a little less than 5%. Okay. It's, so, it goes on to say, it's not clear which Cummins locations or departments will be affected by the layoffs. And then I'll quote... Well, that's I hate when they say that. Well, of course they're going to say that. Yeah. Because they don't want to scare people. No. So, I'm going to quote, as we communicated to our employees last week, demand has deteriorated even faster than expected, and we need to adjust to reduce costs, Mills said in an emailed statement. It's, so how, it's what percentage, Jim? Okay, wait a minute. It's, it's less, less than, than 5%. It's less than 5%. 3% is 5%. Right. So, so, how many people would you lay off if you cut off, if you lay off 5%? You'd like cut off somebody's hand or something like that, right? Yeah, probably one or two of my employees would have to go at my company. But less than 5% is here's one out of 20. Here's, here's where the disconnect is with me in my head. 
So the economy overall is still doing it's pretty still doing good. Well. The yeah. GDP is up. Right? Oh, yeah. What did we just talk Stock about? Stock market's up, everything. Right. Just today we talked yeah. about that. So, and what's a driving all of this is, no pun intended, driving, but with the- Oh, that was cute, Jim. Yeah. With the evolution of Amazon and ordering online, I think that the trucking or the delivery industry is probably doing really well. So what is driving down- the trucking industry. If everyone's ordering online and no one's going to brick and mortars and we have to have transportation to move product from distribution to our homes, residences, and our businesses, how well, is it going to get there? If you is wanna, it going to be a drone? Well, if you want to get it down to like basic economics, it's supply and demand. So as demand goes up for the trucking services, you're going right. to see pe- more people buying trucks. And as trucking services go down, you're going to see less people buying trucks. But maybe there's something else in there. I don't know. But I mean, if you were look back at the basics, that's that's what it would be. But then again, maybe, you know, they were over capacity. I know for a long time, you saw tons of hiring going on in the trucking industry. I'm, I'm not quite sure, Jim. Hmm. You know, this is you and me playing quarterback economist well, and, and industry expert, and we're and really neither of those. It's an insight. Yep. No matter what. But either way, if if they stop producing large engines, that's going to hurt the manufacturing industry, especially for a a large global manufacturer like Cummins. 100%. So if you out in the metalworking nation understand this a little bit better than us dummies Jim and Jason do, please email us, jim at makingchips.com and jason at makingchips.com and give us some more insight. And we'll be happy to share your insight with the metalworking nation if you can give us some, some good data on it. Anyway, we want to get into this because we've talked about the recession many times on Making Chips over the last 210 episodes we've done. I remember early on, Jason, we talked about mitigating the risk of recession, maybe when we were in like episode seven or eight or 10 or 11 or 12. But I think it's important that we need to keep talking about it because- I think that a lot of the new workforce really doesn't know what a recession looks like or feels like. And let me tell you, every recession that I've ever lived through looks and feels a little bit different than the one before. Of course, we all know that the 2008 recession was just a bloodbath, to put it easy, and it was, you know, a lot of people called it the Great Depression because it was it was so bad. So think about that for a minute, Jim. There are individuals who have been in our workforce for a decade who have not lived through a recession. Yeah, my my son for one. Yeah, he has not lived through a recession. He has no idea what that looks and feels like. It doesn't feel good. It does not feel good at all. So. What can we offer to them? It doesn't look good if you look at your financial statement. It doesn't look good if you look at the financial statement. So here's what we need to do now. It's going to come. I mean, it's inevitable. We just, here's what we don't know. We don't know when it's going to come. How bad? And we don't know how deep it's going to be. And how long it's going to last. Or how long it's going to last. So we don't know breadth and depth, (laughs) and we don't know how it's going to feel, right? Right. So what can we do even if it's a very mild one, which in my humble opinion, I don't believe it's going to be well, very- Well, it seems like with most people, there's a little bit of a dip during the summer of 2019. Not was, for me. Well, it doesn't matter if it was for you. I'm just saying for the populace for the general, in general, there was just a tiny little dip, you know? Well, people equated that bump. to, you know, we were going at 150 miles an hour, and now we're going at 130 and everyone's upset. Yeah. So 
there was a pullback, right? Mm-hmm. That we weren't we weren't throttling down as hard as we were, and everyone got used to going 150 miles an hour. And then when it did kind of reduce the throttle, everyone got a little nervous. But at the end of the day, that's not a recession. That's just a a slight pullback. What about um, at the beginning of the day? At the beginning of the day, it's when you don't have enough work, you don't have enough backlog to keep your employees employed. That's when you know you're in a recession. Or you're quoting work so cheap that you're losing money on every job just to keep your workforce on the clock because you don't want to lose them. And that's what we saw so many times in the 2008 is so we lost so many skilled manufacturers in our industry to other industries like carpentry and construction and real estate and many, many other industries. That's when you know we're, we're truly in the recession. So what do you know, Jason, about what your dad did before you when the recession came. What do you remember about that? Well, one of the Some most, tips and tricks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is a tip and trick and maybe it's just a ode to my dad and how good of a guy he was, but I do remember one of the most impactful things like when we went through the recession was that he stopped taking a paycheck for a period of time. Yes, and that's he dipped true. into his retirement account in order know. to get us through it. I don't think that I could do that for very so long. So what's the lesson? The the lesson is that as a business have a owner, well, have a nest egg and as a business owner, you got to take some hits and you might be the main guy to take some hits. During that last recession, we did for lack of a better term, trim the fat a little bit. So we had you some have to. So we had some people that were on our team that were just intentionally probably not contributing to the level that they could. And after repeated discussions and sales being bad, we just said to say, you know, my dad's not taking a paycheck and sales are down and you are not wanting to help us get through this and everybody needs to get on board and start rowing to make this better. So we had to trim the fat there and that's not an easy thing to do. And I don't say that lightly either, but that sometimes that has to be done for the greater good. I agree. So So that's the elephant in the room that you need to make sure you look at your people and say, who has not been contributing to to getting us moving in the right direction? I think even before that, I think what you need to do is in the manufacturing industry, Labor is our number one biggest cost. Mm -hmm. It's not rent. It's not electricity. It's not the gas bill. It's not the phone bill. Could be your machine tool loans. Our machine tool loans. Yeah. It could be. It could be. But overwhelmingly, I would guarantee that any manufacturing company out there, it's definitely salaries. So how do we bring that down? A, reduce overtime to the bare minimum, if any, that would be the first thing to do. And then two, like you said to your dad, you need to talk about who can we trim, who isn't living up to the expectations of our culture and our business, who can we afford to lose? Another thing is debt. Debt is a tough one too. And you you don't want to get caught up with too much because when the bank will continue to bug you, no matter what. And well, that's the first bills that you have to pay. And and I do know, like, so this might be a point of advice for the metalworking nation. So I recently closed on purchasing Zengers from my dad. So now my wife owns 100% of Black and I own 100% of Zengers. We're probably going to merge the two corporations together in the future. But when I was negotiating through buying my dad out, he wanted, I don't even know how much he was participating in this whole thing or whether it was the attorneys or other people making recommendations, but they wanted me to guarantee payments. And Guarantee the, is a 
very tough right. word. So one of the things that I, I sat my dad down and I told him, I said, look, here's the deal. I am not interested in buying this company unless you understand that you get paid last. And I was really honest with him. And, and I was well, like, if you don't like how that, how else are you going to be? You got to be authentic because right. when I you need say to be authentic. the word guarantee, right. that's a very right. powerful and, word. And I guess you could only do that when you're buying it from a family member or something like that. But I told him, I said, I have to pay my employees. I have to pay my suppliers. I have to pay the bank. And I have a family of four. So dad, I will pay you. But if we go into a recession, I might have to skip some payments. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and I was like, I just want to be totally honest with you about this because a lot of these topics were looming over our heads because you and I had been talking about it a lot when I was negotiating through this yeah. with my dad. And he was like, I understand. It's so it's not a comfortable it. and he's uh, doing discussion. Fine. And you know, my dad's doing fine. So nobody's right. crying for Steve Zenger. So he's doing fine. And so he understood. I'm crying for Steve Zenger. <laughs> No, your dad's a great guy. But no, I understand what you mean. But didn't it feel good to be able to communicate that with your dad? Yeah, I need to be honest with him. You need to be honest with him and you need to be honest with yourself. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's exactly what's going to happen. He can't be standing there at your desk with his hand out saying, where's my stack this week? And (laughs) Where's uh, my stack? Do people talk like that still? the, The young ones do. So I also have down rent. How do, how do you control the rent when you're in a recession? So negotiate with your landlord. Well, I mean, I have three rents that I pay. Yeah. I have two locations in Indiana and a location here in Illinois. And so push comes to shove, you know, is there a consolidation that we could make? And I know other ma- people own manufacturing companies that have two locations. And do you need both? You know what I mean? Do I need all three? Right. <laughs> so... So consolidation to reduce rent. Well, consolidation, you can negotiate too. Yeah. Interesting. Jim, how's your quoting going? I'm seeing some more gray hairs over there. It's funny because John has been doing a really good job about bringing in new clients. But you know what's great? Sometimes when I get stuck on quoting a job and I think, man, is that part really the right? price for what I'm going to send to it. Or you just want to validate yourself? I go to Zometry.com and I have them quote the job through their online portal real quick, 24 hours a day. They can give me a good insight as to see if I'm close with my pricing. So Metalworking Nation, why don't you try it at Zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Low overhead. So would that mean like if you're in the high rent area that you would maybe want to look at relocating to a more urban area that the rent isn't nearly as much? Well, so but most, then you got to take into the costs of moving and, and all of that. Well, so like here at Zenger, most of our business is, well, let me take a step backwards. So we, the roots of our company is that we started out as a hardware store yeah, you, in the 50s. Yeah, you shared that with and us then before. And yeah. you know, like the 60s and 70s, we moved into becoming an industrial supply company and we had the premier showroom for tools in the Chicagoland area. But you know what? we don't get a lot of activity over our showroom anymore because that's not how people buy. So most no. of our business has shifted towards vending machines and contractual business and more field level service and phone calls and emails and stuff like that. So we have a higher rent because of the building that we have on a main thoroughfare. I could probably consolidate or move, move my location in order to make those kind of adjustments. Do you think that that would be a top priority well, of yours if we do feel 
a good well i want to do it a powerful i want to do it anyway because just because of business trends but like i think that that could i wouldn't make that decision based on a recession because recessions typically are a period of time and i think that you know by the time you move and all that kind of stuff that period could be over and then you're gonna be scrambling to try to readjust so i would just say think really clearly about if you're gonna downsize your facilities or close down a facility because you gotta think about it more long term yeah but it's something to consider i agree I also have here down at the bottom of the list as a bullet point, not getting used to a lifestyle. Mm, that's that's big. a big one. So as it relates to not getting used to a lifestyle, you made a comment recently about the Buick that you bought. Right. I had a, an accountant years ago that we were going through a recession and he said, at least you don't have expensive taste in cars because so many of your peers that I do their accounting for have very expensive lease payments that they need to pay on. And I, I don't see that with you, but that's just my personal preference. I'm just saying that if if you do have that champagne taste for expensive cars that know that if we do go into a recession, that that lease payment or that expensive car payment is not going to go away. And again, the monthly Payment is due on the first of the month, or whatever the case may be. Expensive houses, or multiple houses, or exactly you know, other exactly. toys. You got to be careful about that kind right. of stuff. Or, or drinking expensive wine. You know, yeah, I, I mean that's a little I mean, easier to change. It, it is, it is. But yes, if unless you, you're joining some wine club that you're putting a personal guarantee on it, exactly. that, that's a thousand dollars a week or something like that. Well, that's, is that the kind of wine club you're a part of? Not at all. Okay, not at all. So I wouldn't worry too much about your wine. Jim. No, I'm not worried about it. But yeah, it, these are all good things. And, you know, I know it's difficult to talk about and people say, oh, well, I think, aren't they being a little overzealous? Aren't they getting a little overreactive? But no, I'm telling you all that have, have not really had the opportunity, if you will, to experience it. It is not fun. And please do everything you can right now to prepare yourself for something in the future, whether it be in six months or six years you never know how long it's going to last for. So I, I have a couple more, Jim. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I remember very vividly in my mind, I think I've, I've told the story once before on making chips, being in the car, driving over to get Mexican food with my dad for lunch. And we were in the middle of recession and you know he wasn't taking a paycheck. And he really just asked me, he's like, what are we going to do about this? Or I don't know, he might've said, what are you going to do about this? And oh, he looked at you and said, what yeah, are because you it was going to do? Yeah, it was bad. And I was like, I guess I got I to gotta change this. And I, that was when I really kind of developed my passion for being in a sales seat because I knew that I couldn't just sit back and wait for customers to call me. I needed to get out there and get new customers, get new jobs, get new relationships and do that myself. And I wasn't going to sit back and cry. So I needed to you take get care tough. of myself. You got to get tough and you got to do it and you got to push your team to do it as well. Everybody's got to be held accountable for it. So I would say that would be one. The second one for me would be really to reassess who you are as a company. So really dig deep and say, is our messaging correct? And this kind of goes back to sale. Is our Do we have the right purpose and all that kind of stuff? Related to that, but even deeper to that is really to take a look at your business and saying, are there things that I can cut to simplify my business? And I don't know exactly what that is, but maybe as a shop, you do a little bit of everything, but 80% of your revenue is from milling. Well, maybe you say, you know what? I think maybe all this other stuff I could outsource. 
mm-hmm. and I could really just focus on simplifying my business and focus just on milling or mm-hmm. just on Swiss machining or, or whatever else that it might be. But in well, you, some way well, or another, you know what you're doing is what what you're doing is it profitable or not profitable? Right. Because there's a lot of people that they want to be everything to everybody, right? And maybe the best you thing to do, do is that. to simplify. You cannot do that. Simplifying is is really powerful. Yeah. And and don't take that as like discreet advice because, you know, you really have to know your business in order to make those decisions. But these are the things that when you're busy and things are rocking and rolling, sometimes you're like, yeah, I want to buy a lathe. And yeah, I think that we should be able to grind our own tools. But like when things get slow, you got to have somebody grinding those tools and you got to have somebody running that lathe. And maybe that's just not the best thing for your company. And you need to look at how do I, how do I simplify and how do I get back to the basics? You bet. Well, anyway, that was kind of a downer podcast, but no, it's it's important, and we don't want to we don't want to create fear in anybody by bringing this up. But we just want everyone to realize that it's a real thing, and we haven't seen one in a long time. The economists are saying it's coming, and just think about it, and just take some of these things that Jason and I have mentioned and put it into your own model and and see what you can do to mitigate it down. And get out there and start looking for more jobs to make some more chips, even when the recession hits. You bet. Because if if you're not making chips, you ain't not making money. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 